Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This podcast may cause dizziness, confusion, bloating, uncontrollable laughter, and in some cases, anal leakage. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey, this is episode number 84 of Excuse Me, That's Illegal, the podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. I'm your boy Leroy, coming at you... Straight out of the closet with two tales involving those smelly things you probably have hugging your feet right now. That's right, socks. Personally, I like to take mine off after a long night at work and take a huge whiff. They usually smell like Parmesan cheese. Mm-mm-mm. Makes me want to have a big old plate of spaghetti. Delicious. Anyway, spoiler alert, the first story of the day is about a silly bank robbery. I love covering bank robberies, so I thought this will be great. I'll do a couple of those and that'll be that. Easy peasy. The robbery does have a sock element to it though, and in doing my research I stumbled across another crime with socks in it. And I took that as a sign. The universe is trying to tell me something. Leroy, you must spread sock awareness. And who am I to mess with the universe? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm not crazy, (laughs) right? Uh, Let's move on with the show. But first let's get a couple jokes in. Okay, how do you get a washing machine to shut up? You put a sock in it. These jokes are sock-related, by the way. We have a theme here, people. Next, why did the pair of socks decide to break up? Because one of them always had to be right, and the other one left. All right, everybody. Hop in the minivan and let's cruise these suburban streets as I serenade you with a couple tales of low-level true crime. And don't worry, my friends. Promise you won't return with cold feet. Episode number 84, Sock It To Me. Socks, probably the most underrated piece of clothing you put on. They keep your toesies warm, they capture all that nasty sweat down there, protect you from getting blisters on your feet. They're putting in work all day, every day, baby. When I used to get socks at Christmas, I'd roll my eyes and go, thanks, mom. So boring. But I've grown to appreciate the little guys over the years. And now when I unwrap those bad boys, I am ecstatic. They are my favorite gift to receive around the holiday season. Okay, maybe that's a slight exaggeration. 
but I'm no longer disappointed when I get a new pair. Okay. Our first story takes us across the pond. Feels like we've been visiting the UK a lot lately. What can I say? They got some crazy cats representing over there. So specifically, we are headed to Triorki, which is a small town and community in Wales with a population of just under 8,000 people. It's an old mining town. The trusted Wikipedia says this about Triorki. The discovery of coal transformed the area. The period following 1851 saw Triorki become an industrial town. The town grew around the coal mining industry during the late 19th and early 20th century. But by the end of the 20th century, all the local pits had closed, creating an economic downturn in the community. Speaking of economic downturns, let's meet a man by the name of Dean Richard Smith. The 27-year-old is strapped for cash. And having just moved to a new apartment in the area, he's actually doing the responsible thing and going to the bank to inform them of this change of address. The date is April 15th. The year is 2014. A simpler time. It's only eight years ago, so it seems a little ridiculous to say that. But it kind of was, wasn't it? Anyway, Dean enters the bank on this fine afternoon. It is a Barclays Bank branch on Butte Street. I looked this bank up, and it gets a 2.8 star rating from just 10 Google reviews. Four years ago, Anne said, Not very good on customer service when disabled adults or children are in the bank. Beyond believe there are people who are about these days with no care or support. Okay, that was a one star, obviously. Sheila, also giving a one star, screams in all capitals, If anyone is thinking of opening an account at Barclays Triorki, please, please, please don't. That is if you value your sanity. Usually I like to give a healthy balance between one star and five star reviews. Unfortunately, this wasn't an option. Denise adds one more complaint. There is never any money in the cash machines. All right. And while that might be true, there was certainly money in the tills. We know this because Dean took a mental note of it as he was eyeballing all that cashola during his visit. When he exited the branch, he was walking home and just couldn't get those dollar signs out of his head. And with just a few ladies working there, it seemed like robbing the place would be an easy score. And it would be nice to have some walking around money for a change. Dean goes home to grab a couple things, and now armed with a kitchen knife, he enters the Barclays Bank branch on Butte Street for a second time. Only this time, he's looking to make a withdrawal. A mega one. Keep in mind, this is only about a half hour later. Deaner is basically wearing the same clothing as before, but with a couple of changes. I mean, he's an idiot, but he's not a stupid idiot. He's wearing a hoodie, so he throws the hood up, and now he's sporting some sunglasses. And now to complete this brilliant disguise, Dean is wearing his socks over top of his shoes. I've said this before, if you're going to commit a crime, it's a good idea to disguise yourself with something silly that witnesses will focus on. Fake mustache, a big nasty mole, a mullet, maybe even a fake face tatty. All highly recommended. When people are asked to describe you, they'll zone in on that feature. It'll distract them from a lot of details of your actual appearance. You the fake lisp, even. That would be perfect. But socks over your shoes? It's goofy and distracting, I'll give them that. But would the bank teller even be able to see your feet from over the counter? Doesn't make much sense. 
It must have been somewhat effective, though, as eyewitnesses mentioned it, and it's talked about in every single news article I could find. Anywho, Dean enters the bank, then, after waiting his turn and likely having some doubts, he briskly walks up to the counter. Screw it. He's doing this. A glass partition separates dastardly Dean and the teller whose name was Catherine. She sees that he's brandishing a bread knife, which I'm sure got her attention. He demands the cash from her till. Here's how cashier Catherine described Diener's demeanor. Quote, He was not shouting. He was rushed, but not angry or agitated. He sounded desperate. End quote. Desperate indeed. And to be fair, that sounds like a pretty standard attitude. When robbing a bank, you want to get in and out ASAP. Uh, this next part's kind of cute. A little old man in his 70s who was standing next to Dean in line tries to defuse the situation. He doesn't want to see the robber ruin his life or put anyone else's in danger. He understands Dean's in need of some dough, so he offers him 20 bucks to just leave. The Dean ponders this for all of half a second, then carries on with the robbery. It's not enough. He needs more than 20 pounds to get out of debt, bro. Nice try, old man. Maybe 100 would have been more enticing. He must have forgot to adjust for inflation. Instead of just forking over the cash like Dean requests, Catherine has other plans. Man, she's got a set of balls on her. Well, not literally, but you know what I mean. She's brave. She reaches over and slaps the shit out of the panic button. Kind of like how you guys smash the five-star review button for this podcast. <laughs> know what I mean? Uh, this, of course, alerts the authorities. A dazed Dean is caught off guard by this, and when he hears staff discussing a plan to lock him in, till police arrive, this snaps Dean out of the stunned state he's in, and he leaves the bank empty-handed. Ah, shucks. It didn't take police long to get some solid leads in this case. One of the cashiers recognized the dumbly disguised Dean from his earlier visit. You know the one where he gave the teller his full name and new address? Ah, oh, what a drag. I totally thought they wouldn't recognize me with my socks over my shoes, man. <laughs> he likely thought. What a dope. Rachel Knight, who was the prosecutor in this case, said, quote, Since the incident, Catherine has been very wary about people who look like him. She can't help thinking about it every time a young person comes into the bank. She was very thankful nobody was injured. End quote. Yeah, maybe a little PTSD after the incident. That likely happens to anyone who's been robbed especially at gunpoint, or in this case, bread knife point. Not doubting the victim or anything, because those are valid feelings, but she couldn't have been too scared given her reaction to this scene, you know? Like how she didn't comply with any of Dean's demands. If he was actually a violent man, she could have made things much worse. Just some advice if that happens in the future. Just fork over the dough. It's not worth it, trying to be a hero. It's not your money. And even if Dean had been successful and took off with a couple thousand dollars, he would have been caught anyway, because they knew where he lived. Dean's lawyer, Stephen Jeery, trying to garner some sympathy from the judge, said, quote, He told the police it was stupid, and he was very sorry, but he was desperate for money. End quote. The Honorable Richard Twomlow wasn't having it. He sentenced Dean to two and a half years in the slammer and also made him pay a 120-pound victim surcharge. Ouch. Crime doesn't pay, kids. Uh, one last detail of the robbery. They closed the bank afterwards while police were investigating. And remember the nice little old man who offered Dean 20 bucks? He should have taken him up on that offer, uh, looking back. Well, in a very British move, 
They sat the gentleman down and made him a cup of tea to calm his nerves. I love that. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, let's move on to story number two. And this is a strange one. For this tale, we are headed to England, mates. Jolly good. Right, right. And we're going to get into this story involving a strange character whose behavior left a bad taste in my mouth. And we'll likely do the same for you. So this incident happened in 2014, just like our previous story. Crazy. The date is September 10th, and it's shortly before 6 p.m. A 15-year-old schoolgirl is walking home. It's a nice night, beginning of the school year, nearing the end of summer. But things take a strange turn when this young lady is approached by a man who runs up behind her and shoves her to the ground. This happens just as she's approaching some train tracks. The man then forcefully removes her shoes and socks before heading back in the other direction, on Millfield Lane. This is in a small village called Nether Poppleton, in North Yorkshire, England. Very strange. There are a lot of businesses in this vicinity. This isn't a secluded area. There were people around, but this man acted so swiftly, he was gone within seconds, really. Police took this very seriously. They tried to gather CCTV footage of the incident uh, from some other businesses and got a pretty detailed description of this creep from the girl and a couple eyewitnesses. An article in the Yorkshire Post described the man as either Asian or Eastern European, around 25 years old, between 6 feet and 6 feet 4 inches tall, with a thin, stubbly face and short black hair, which was styled at the front. Had a little dippity-doo on there. He was wearing thin, square glasses, a blue jacket, black jeans, and was possibly carrying a small rucksack, whatever that is. So yeah, not a bad description. They had an email or phone number for people to call who were in the area and that noticed a man acting suspiciously, or knew anyone who, of course, matched that description. Police also got quite descriptive with the footwear. They wanted anyone to come forward if they found a pair of size 6 girls black deep 7 pumps with a silver buckle and a pair of black ankle socks. Unfortunately, no one came forward, and the shoes and socks, let's be real here, ain't no way this deviant threw those away. Those were a souvenir. That's what he wanted. He had other sick plans for that foot attire. Sounds like he had a fetish. A very particular one. The young girl was physically unharmed and returned to school shortly thereafter, but likely traumatized. That's a scary scene. Months later, and this was on Beckfield Lane, also in North Yorkshire, another young girl. I believe this one was only 10 this time. She was walking to school alone. This is in the morning. When a man comes up behind her, grabs her in a headlock, takes her to the ground, takes off her shoes, then takes off. Wow, aggressive. The poor girl, Uh, she was okay, thankfully, but that'll mess you up. It was said that she was afraid to walk alone after this incident and either went to and from school with a group of friends or got a ride. No doubt. This dude's a piece of shit. Uh, We're now going to fast forward to September 1st of 2015. A young girl is playing outside at a park. She's taking off her shoes and she's running around having a blast. You know how kids are. 
They're great, such as Zest for Life. A man is lurking around, and he grabs her shoes and starts walking off briskly when a couple of adults catch him in the act. They follow the man to his home and call police. Got him. Police arrive at the home of Daryl Kwiatkowski, and deviant Daryl has been up to no good for quite some time. The 23-year-old has been collecting young girls' clothing for about four years now. Strange hobby. And in that time, he has amassed quite the collection. In his bedroom, police find four trash bags full of young girl shoes, socks, even a brassiere. They also find the shoes and socks from the previous incidents that I told you about. So, yikes. That is disturbing. And this is clearly behavior that could very easily have escalated over time. Eventually sniffing the clothing, or you can use your imagination, whatever he was doing with it, wasn't going to be enough. And he definitely had a fascination with underage girls. Daryl is taken into custody, and he will remain there for four and a half months until his day in court. He pled guilty to one charge of theft and two charges of robbery. Uh, yeah. Sure, this guy's a thief, technically, but come on, he clearly has more serious issues. But I guess the theft was easier to nail him for. And Judge Richard Wright understands that. He says, quote, I am quite satisfied that what lay behind your offending was that you are developing or have developed a sexual fetish or interest in children's shoes, socks, and clothing. On these occasions, you could not help yourself but to act on that fetish to steal their clothing. For the children whom you targeted, what you did must have been a distressing, shocking, and upsetting experience. I have to turn my attention for the long-term protection of the public, and I ask myself whether that is best achieved by sending you to prison for a number of years, or to give you an opportunity to nip it in the bud, this problem you plainly have. End quote. And unfortunately, the judge gives Daryl a second chance. He has to pay 280 pounds in court costs and is given a three-year community order. He also has to undergo sex offender treatment. But other than these stipulations, he is a free man. The judge added that if he doesn't do this treatment order, that he would get sent back to jail, and this time it would be for several years. The judge let him off easy, in my opinion. I would have locked him up and threw away the key. Sure, the offenses could have been worse, but they were pretty aggressive. I mean, what grown man puts a 10-year-old girl in a headlock while she's just innocently walking to school? It's despicable. Daryl's lawyer, Paul Hodgkinson, said that Daryl lost his job while he was in custody. Good. And that his fetish had to do with, quote, a problem in his infancy. Yeah, sure, pal. And was this to get him sympathy points? Because he's not getting any from me. Let's hope the judge made the right call and the treatment works for Daryl. At least now he's on police radar, and if any similar offenses occur, he will be at the head of the line when they question the other pervs in the community. That and the fact that he could go back to jail for an extended period of time will hopefully be enough of a deterrent. I really want to believe douchebag Daryl will benefit from all that treatment and that it's enough to stop him. We can't really control what we're attracted to, but we can control our actions. So maybe the guilt and shame is enough that he doesn't traumatize any more girls. For the sake of the community, I want to believe that this leopard can change his spots, or at the very least, keep his sick thoughts in his head, and stop those fantasies from becoming a reality. And we are back. That's a wrap on episode number 84, Sock It To Me, Crimes About Socks. 
This podcast really is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And that's what I love about it. As always, I want to thank Steffi for voicing the disclaimer, the operator for providing that sweet, sweet theme music, and my boo for editing this episode. All right, everybody, you know what time it is. Listener confession time, baby. So let's get criminal, criminal. I want to get criminal. This confession comes in from a listener named Angela, and she says, Hi, Leroy. This podcast has really grown on me over time and somehow slipped into my top 10. Always excited to get a new one in my feed. As soon as I am in a more comfortable position, financially, I will make sure to join your Patreon. Aw, thanks, Ange. I really appreciate it. And I'm in your top 10? Wow. What a prestigious honor. (laughs) Ange goes on to say, Here's my confession, and I'd say it's equal parts embarrassing, equal parts impressive. I wouldn't call myself a lawbreaker by any means, but I have a guilty pleasure I've indulged in since I was a child. And that is borrowing writing utensils, permanently, and without permission. Pens, pencils, markers, you name it. Okay, time out. Sorry to break it to you, Ange, but that, my friend, is theft. Extremely petty theft, but theft nonetheless. Borrowing permanently without permission. I like that, though. Anyway, time in. I thought it was just a phase, but my little hobby has only gotten stronger with age. I work in an office, and I don't know what it is, but anytime I see a pen or a pencil unattended, I gotta have it. I even ask people to borrow theirs, then see if I can get away with keeping it. It's up to them to ask for it back. I have a collection in the thousands. It really is a lot. I don't know, it just brings me joy and makes an otherwise boring situation exciting. Thinking of my next heist. My friends have mixed reactions. Some think it's hilarious, while others say I have a problem. What do you think, Leroy? Should I stop this filthy habit or keep it going? I need your advice. Keep doing what you're doing. Angela. Wow, thanks, Angela. And to you, I say exactly what you just said to me. Keep doing what you're doing. I think it's funny and would love to see your collection. Sure, you're taking people's property, but in the grand scheme of things, it's just a pen. You're not hurting anyone. I should add that if it's engraved or sentimental in some way, like given to someone from their parent or a loved one who's passed away or something like that, then maybe don't take those ones. But generic pens and pencils, it's open season. Sounds like fun, to be honest. I think it's cool. And hey, I just told a story where some dude was putting young girls in headlocks and stealing their socks and shoes to do Lord knows what with. So get your friends to listen to that story, and then ask them how bad you really are. Pens don't seem too crazy now, do they? (laughs) Awesome stuff. Thanks for sharing, Ange. If you have something you want to confess, petty crime, embarrassing hobby, or otherwise, send it to excusemethatsillegal at gmail.com. And like our friend Ange here, you could have your story played on the air. I really do love hearing from you guys. Patreon, gotta talk about it. If you're looking for more Leroy in your life, come join the Neighborhood Watch, patreon.com slash excuse me, that's illegal. Link is in the show notes. Five bucks a month gets you ad-free releases, and you'll get three additional shows a month. The Luna Bin and How Bizarre, How Bizarre. Both of those are really fun, and I do those with my bro. And you'll get a bonus episode done in the usual excuse me, that's illegal style. Lots of extra content to binge over there. And you'll be helping me out, big time. I'm not going to lie, it's the best way to support the show and ensure that it keeps going for years to come. Before we get out of here, I have a promo to play for you from a true crime podcast called Coffee and Cases. Allison and Maggie are fantastic. 
I just checked them out recently and I'm hooked. They cover a lot of lesser-known unsolved cases, which I appreciate. And they're just fun people who like their coffee hot and their cases cold. Booyah. They'll tell you all about their kick-ass show in a moment. As for myself, I'll meet you back here in another 10 days and serve you up a hearty helping of soft coarse scumbaggery. <laughs> Take it away, Allison and Maggie. Greetings from the Bluegrass State. That's Kentucky, if y'all didn't know. We want to tell you about the hottest new podcast on the block, Coffee and Cases. If you fancy yourself an at-home detective. If you find yourself yelling at the TV during that new true crime documentary. Then you, my friend, are a certified sleuth hound. Just like us. On Coffee and Cases podcast, you'll hear about the missing, the murdered, and the unsolved. But the cases you've rarely, if ever, heard about. All from the perspective of two teacher friends, rule followers, and self-proclaimed scaredy cats. Join me, Allison, and me, Maggie, each week as we take on cases that are often overlooked but are screaming for justice. Finally, a true crime podcast where you don't have to monitor the foul language. Coffee and Cases is a true crime guilty pleasure that you don't actually have to feel guilty about. Check out Coffee and Cases every Thursday for a new episode on your favorite podcasting app. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.